Hey guys, welcome to Minefields. <laughs> I'm DJ Joshua Michael. <laughs> you We've are, got... you are DJ Joshua Michael. Not anymore. Don't even. <laughs> oh come on! It would say you're 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 at any moment uh, uh, like a twist of the a twist of the. Oh, what am I trying to say? You're not a monkey with symbols, you know. It's like <laughs> a wicka, you're, you're just with a wicka wicka and a and a throwing yeah. some knobs to look all cool, holding my headphones yeah, dude. off. <laughs> You just have to like really put your shoulder into those re- scratched records. No, there's uh, you, you, you got to realize overemphasize. When it comes to being a DJ, you got to realize the whole purpose of it is pussy. <laughs> like, like so if, I hear if, if you meet a DJ and he's like, "No, I'm here to express myself." He's lying. <laughs> that like he, yeah he might have like <laughs> threw a couple of beats down on Ableton Live or Fruity Loops if he's a loser, um, but the whole loops. the whole point of DJ DJing is to get chicks and free drugs, and uh, I'm not part of that anymore. But uh, I got two questions. So let's hear it. <laughs> okay, Fruity Loops is that not is that is that the, that's the program right or it, is it that fat beat that recurs in uh, Rihanna's umbrella, and also in um, is it hypnotize? That was the remake by Dan Black. Do you know the one I'm talking about? I do, but you're you're the first one's correct. It's, okay, it's, gotcha. It's the musical. It's the, it's the old school music software uh, that mm. people people use before they could afford a better one. Um, Nevertheless. Second oh, okay. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Didn't didn't it come free with Apple products? I don't remember. I, I didn't get an Apple oh, okay. until like 2007. And by the way, this is my best friend Colin over there in Tulsa. Shit. Tulsa. Of course. Uh, number if you, n- if number you, if you if you minefielders don't know that yeah. we that like I'm gonna say 98 percent of all of our minefields podcasts involve me, then yes. well, hey, welcome to the program. Welcome to the program. <laughs> I don't know uh, why yeah. I'm so jazzed up right now. I haven't even had a coffee. I know, right? Uh, the other We're just thing really is really entertaining ourselves for a while before we started recording. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last year, uh, iTunes told me because I was just looking at how you sort things. The one song I've listened to like ten thousand times, like God, like that's an exaggeration. I think it said I'd listened to it like maybe five, six thousand times. Was "Umbrella" by Rihanna. I fucking love that song. <laughs> it's a great song, but I will say, I. Uh, I love the original version of it, incorporating Fruity Loops, but I will tell you that my favorite version of it was remixed, and it's uh, I got it in like 2007 or eight from my from from our uh, my buddy Brian in LA on one of the Booty Remix discs. Oh, those he Booty to... Remix discs for money, dude! <laughs> dude, they're fucking fly. Sorry, uh, language, but um, they're 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 fu- they're fly. What? What? They're fire? I don't know. No, I'm they're, so square. Uh, no, uh, the, um, I've got it. I've got it. The, yeah. If, if On the scale from fly to whack, they, they lean heavily <laughs> to fly. <laughs> Very heavily. We don't know what the what the degrees of freedom are in yeah. this bell curve. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, totally, totally tubular. Um, the uh, So it's a, it, it is a remix with her singing, and it's beautiful. It's super crisp. It's remixed with um, General Public's uh, Tenderness. Where is the tenderness? And so you've got that beautiful beat through that song with the little... That comes, I think, off of a banjo. Um, 
And, oh, man, it's a beautiful song. If you haven't heard that song, listen to them both separately and then get on YouTube or whatever service you happen to have. And it, that's, it's a beautiful remix. So good. The, the, the funny thing about The Dream, and speaking about DJing is, oh, not The Dream, uh, well, mm. I'm getting to it, uh, is that that song, uh, Umbrella, is created by The Dream, this guy out of Atlanta. And uh, when I was DJing down at a venue uh, in Bricktown, um, I liked to play some sexy music before, like, the place got really, like, popping. So, like, I'd, I'd pl that was, like, around, like, 10 o'clock until maybe, like, 11 I was playing, like, I remember when NASA's first record came out, it was just this odd hip-hop electronica. I'd play that in its entirety, but when the Dream's uh, first solo record came out, it just put everyone in a sexy mood. Like, everyone that was there around, huh. like, 10 to, like, close, I mean, it, it just had them hooked because it was just sexy. Oh, God, I love the Dream. That guy was such, such a good uh, producer. But we've got a good issue, of uh, number 55, actually. Uh, we've been doing this mm. for almost a year and a half. And uh, we've got a, uh, a good issue of comics. Uh, luckily, Diamond was able to get things out this week. Unfortunately, they weren't able to get everyone what they ordered, unfortunately. Uh, That's they, true. They effed up Iron Lion's shipment pretty damn bad. I had to go somewhere else to go buy Nailbiter, which pissed me mm -hmm. off. Uh, but uh, not that I had to go to a different show. I mean, going to a different shop is one thing. I love it's a local shop. They're getting my money. Muse Comics, they've always been the mad hookup for me. But the fact that they screwed up a comic book store in a time uh, when screwing up the order is uh, a big no-no. There's only so many comics coming out. And, yeah. Uh, there's only so many comics coming out, and, um, well, I read most of them. I, I really, I went all out for this week, man. I, I bought a lot of them. Uh, man, Dude, I even, you, your list was out of control when you were telling me about it earlier. I even read Batman Beyond. I've never read Batman Beyond. Oh, cool. Yeah, it was super good. Uh, there's a lot of honorable mentions uh, that uh, we'll get into after we get uh, through the meat and potatoes. And by the way, it was funny when we were interviewing uh, Duke the Dumpster Josie the other day. Uh, after uh, we were winding down the interview, he was like, man, this is one of the best interviews I've ever done. This was real meat and potatoes. And I just started laughing my ass off. <laughs> I was like, that's like that's like one of our catchphrases, meat and potatoes, all the time. This is where the meat and potatoes are, man, so... Um, but how was your week, man? You were at some protests this week. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I, you know we got to discuss the material we recorded. Um, what was it? I think Tuesday or Wednesday. Yep. Maybe it was Tuesday. Um, yeah, I, yeah. There were there were protests in Tulsa. I accidentally found my way into on Sunday night, and then. Ended up helping some people who were gassed, and, uh, I, you know, I, I don't know, I, I didn't know what I was, I didn't know what to think, I had a lot of, I've had a lot of conflicting concerns, but this was right after the rioting started nationwide, and I was like, man, I don't want to see that happen in my community, especially since, uh, the, the, the site of insurrection pretty much started, um, one block away from two friends' houses. Yeah. And uh, I just don't want to see damage. I don't want to see people get hurt. But um, it was intense. And then the next night I came back from a long conversation with my son about how I got involved in that and why it was going on. And I haven't got to talk to him about it since then. I came back from that and I, I there was a dude... On the corner, 
a mile south of my place, and he was just standing there with a sign, and, and he had a he had he had a a rifle. He had an assault rifle, if you want to call it that. I don't. I still have issues with calling things that. Uh, my impression was that it was an AK-47, um, and I was like, I go into this place, I shop for a minute, I come out, I get into a conversation with some dudes, and they were like, Yeah, I don't know about that guy. Get online. I find out everybody who's talked to him, this dude is totally cool. It's like, all right, well, that's nice. So I go home, I eat, I get word that the president wants to, wants to call out uh, the legit military if the National Guard isn't, hasn't taken care of things or local officials. I'm not going to go on for very much longer about this, by the yeah. way. But uh, I was like, I, I'm not, I don't want to stand for that. Like, that's, that's no good. If there's anything I really... I'm not going to say I wouldn't protest obstructions of justice and failures of jurisprudence uh, and just, like, you know, across-the-board unity. But, That's uh, what it's all about, man. I mean, yeah, I just kept thinking civility is the thing that I'm concerning myself with. And uh, I just was like, dude, I'm going to get a first aid kit together. This is going to go all Costa Rica real bad. Not to, not to insult Costa Ricans. It's just a phrase I picked up. Uh, and um, I went down there and I linked up with somebody and we just I, we dragged people out. My friend got shot in the eye. My friend got shot in the gut. I got shot in the leg. You got shot in the it's, dick too, didn't you? I did not get shot in the dick. <laughs> I haven't got shot in the dick in a long time. <laughs> Not since uh, your bodybuilding days. <laughs> no, no, that's that's happening now. Uh, no, yeah, it was it was it was intense. I've had a lot of nightmares, but um, yeah, and then I, I understand some stuff went went south on uh, uh, Tuesday night when I was out of town looking after my mom, and then I went to a protest in my mom's slash my hometown and it was super peaceful and uh but it was in it was interesting because my brother's business he was like man i don't know that's like one block from where we're where we're posted up and then my my taekwondo friend his his school was on that same block yeah it's been an intense week and i'm definitely there for people i'm trying to be there for people in a way that i can protect uh Protect obs, ob, um, what I'm trying to say the right word here. Uh, objective, on the spot reporting that doesn't have to do with the with the like legit media. And in fact, my right. friend is getting press credentials any second now. So, um, anyway, yeah, there you have it. I mean, that's what's going on right now. Uh, it's it is it's been a thing. It made it difficult to read, but I did uh, get to read three books, and you read. 38 or something something like that but before we before we <laughs> that's go on, the beauty guys, of it <laughs> before we go on uh if if you're having trouble digesting what's going on in the country uh you really have there's a couple key things you need to look into the difference between the protesters and the people that are looting there's a stark difference and they're two different groups of people absolutely you, you can't you can't lump that everyone in as one as one group there's people out there taking advantage of a situation to loot riot break shit be assholes and there's legit people out there that are upset not upset is a complete wrong word uh years of anguish and rage repressed that are demanding their rights and to be equal the other thing is is know the difference 
and figure out why people that are saying all lives matter are getting roasted in the media right now, uh, there's a big difference. And I'm not going to preach to you, but just figure out why, and then you'll you'll understand. There's a big difference here. And obviously here at the minefields, even though I do call some comics a little bit gay every now and then, we're all inclusive. <laughs> we really are. I mean, there's just... There are, there are definitely some terms we will occasionally throw out there that are not meant to be insulting. It just turns out that's... Nothing. We, nothing we're, we're not that enlightened yet to nothing, not, not we, 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 never, we never say anything racist in the least bit, but I definitely say the word gay every now and then, but... It's, it's true. I, was, I grew up in the 80s, man. Like I know, it's a little difficult. I remember years ago when I was living in L.A. seeing a commercial with uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt. And she was she it was a it was basically a PSA, and she was shopping, and some girls were shopping, and they were looking at clothes, and they were just like, "Oh, look at this! This is so gay!" <laughs> and Jennifer Love Hewitt just kind of pops up, and she's like, "Girls, I think we're beyond that now. Let's not say that anymore. Like yeah. that's you could really hurt somebody's I, feelings." I agree. I agree. I should. And not I was say like, that. "This this is the problem I had, dude, with that commercial." It wasn't the problem with the commercial. It was the problem I had with myself. Because I saw that commercial and I thought, this is what we're spending money on? <laughs> yeah. Why aren't we pl- applying that towards, can- towards cancer research or AIDS research or something? And then, you know, like a minute later, I, I got hit by another commercial. Uh, one of the most emotional commercials I've ever seen. And I still, I struggle to find it all the time. Um <laughs> It was a, it was a, uh, there was a house bill or there was, a, there was a, there was a California, it was proposition. There was a house proposition to allow for, uh, gay weddings. And, um, and I remember the commercial, it was this sepia toned commercial where a woman was in her wedding dress and she was going toward, down the aisle and somebody tripped her and then she, she like got her, uh, got her veil all caught in a bush and her husband her her fiance tried to come out and help her up but the guys her his guys his groomsmen held her back and i'd see this commercial again and again and i dude it would make me weep because at the end of it so imagine if you couldn't marry the one you loved and i was like yeah no that's a good i mean right now even thinking about it i'm feeling really tight and i'm my eyes are stinging Mm -hmm. I feel how you feel about the the Jennifer Love Hewitt commercials. How I feel about anytime I see like a Michael Bay movie or some awful, <laughs> awful movie come out. Like how many homeless people could we have fed, or or uh, vets that could oh. get the, the treatment they need rather than to make this god awful movie, uh, like pretty much every Transformers movie. <laughs> that could um, be said about so many things. Yeah. Uh, it's def- yeah, those are definitely not high art. Though I will say I do love the movie The Island, and it is a terrible ripoff of a lot of stuff. Um, I like the movie. I look back on Jennifer Love Hewitt in that commercial now, and I think that was, uh, un- uh, unfortunately, it was ahead of its time. Yeah. I really liked the movie The Pest, and that was a piece of crap. <laughs> John oh, Le- is that with John Leguizamo? Yeah, John Le- that movie was hilarious. John- My sister owns that on DVD. Like, I always just like took hers. Where they, they took the, the world's Dude. deadliest game. Yeah. <laughs> but the, yeah. the guy's awesome, man. Like, uh, I, everything... Dude, John Leguizamo is phenomenal. Yeah, Phenomenal. But... <laughs> Dude, his role in the John Wick movies, when you're that guy, when you are a Hollywood... T- when, you're, when you are a... Uh, 
you know, think about him in Carlito's way. Yeah. And then, and then, uh, what did he do? He went and he did that movie Empire, and I think it was just because he really, really wanted to be Carlito so bad mm -hmm. in a movie, which because the movie, I think Empire was like almost a duplication of Carlito's way. Um, I could be wrong, but when you get to come into a John Wick movie and play a character with that much gravitas. Yeah. He's for a solid your, For your secondary role. Yeah. Dude, incredible. Um, let's take, let's take, let's spend the next couple of minutes, talking I know about, we have an agenda, talking about but Charlie let's Wazama. spend the next couple of minutes talking about piece of crap movies <laughs> that we absolutely love. Let's name, you got like three that you can think of off the top of your head. Uh, yes. I'm gonna go with Screwballs from the 80s. It's one of those, uh, uh, teen sex romps that, uh, it's like the, the quintessential equation. It's these five, these five guys that all get grouped together because they all get detention for some reason, and the, 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 there's like the cool kid, the fat Jew kid, the black dude, <laughs> like, the, like, the, the, the nerdy white boy, and, and the whole point of the movie is them get trying to get late. And that was so many movies and then like that trend <laughs> came back, right, in the early 2000s with American Pie. They weren't nearly as good as the 80s ones. Like where Screwball starts out, no, of course and, not. And you just see this girl and her tits are just jiggling for a while and there's the hot dog and and then like the the the, the beginning was hilarious because like the, the the fat kid he's like he's he's making extra credit or, or money for college or whatever the hell they want to say he's he's working in the cafeteria line and uh, uh, big uh, bustacious girl after bustacious girl is coming back <laughs> coming in line to get food and he's just I mean they're just just giant tits like it was a fucking Russ, Russ Meyer movie type thing <laughs> and, yeah. and um, he just can't take it anymore. And he's all sweating and he's hyperventilating, and then they cut to the principal and like the uh, health, uh, the health administration's coming through the the back the back house kitchen. She's like, "This is our clean and cleanse. Uh, no room is cleaner than this room here, especially this meat locker here that I'm gonna open up and catch this fat oh, kid." Just, I can already tell what's happening. Just abusing his body, <laughs> and then. <laughs> The big giant stamp on his head that, that, that they 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 superimpose just detention, <laughs> and then you see the you see all the the wacky ways that all the rest of the dudes get like uh, detention and become like like a, a loose group of friends. Um, the, it's free on YouTube. It's hilarious. It's called Screwballs. Your turn. Oh man, I I uh, there are some crap movies out there, but there it's really hard to come up with one that I actually. Like, I'm thinking, um, like, dude, you might shoot me down on the fact, uh, on thinking that it's crap, but, um... Shawshank Redemption? Like, Little Monsters? Oh my god, I love that movie. <laughs> Fred Savage? I actually, I mean, I, I, I like that movie. I haven't seen it in a long, long time. Uh, that movie was terrifying. <laughs> was it terrifying? Was Alan Cumming the bad guy in it? No, it was, I think... It was the guy that was in Pulp Fiction that played Brent. I'm looking that up. Can you tell us why it's why why you think it's a crap movie slash okay. good? Well, I just remember it coming out, and it was just like it was aimed for kids, but at the same time, you had uh, you had bad words in it, and 
it wasn't like terribly substantive, substantive is that substantive? Um, and uh, uh, oh, Howie Mandel. Dude, yeah, it's, it's Howie Mandel. Honestly, like the monster costume was so corny. I loved like, it. Like, just ridiculously. But then I think about it, and it was like, well, it wasn't that it was corny. It was that it had to be cartoony. He had to be a monster without being authentically scary. And so did the rest of them. Well, not and all of them. And that kind of worked. Not, not Some all of them were them. legit scary. Well, I the last... Look, look and, and I was correct. Uh, the guy that plays Boy, the, the one that runs the underground, is played by Frank Whaley. The guy that played Brent, <clears throat> Brett in Pulp Fiction. The one that gets the, you know, say what again. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. particularly like that guy because he was also uh, in Hoffa with and, uh, Jack Nichol- Jack Nicholson and um, Danny DeVito. And uh, he was, in he was kind of an it guy for a while. He was you, in a movie with Jennifer Connelly that had Space Age oh, love yeah. songs and a flock of seagulls yeah, in it called yeah, Career that was a- Opportunities. I never got to see that movie, and I remember it being advertised, and it was panned completely. It lost money. Mm-hmm. Um, I need to see that. Huh. All right. I don't know. You know, I, the more I think about it, Little Monsters really isn't a piece of crap movie. It's just... It is a guilty pleasure. Oh, there it is. Yeah, Frank Whaley. It is a guilty pleasure. It. it is a guilty pleasure, that's for sure. Dude, my, my favorite guilty pleasure movie is actually Necessary Roughness. Right, but Are you familiar it, with that one? No, but uh, is, is Christian Slater in it or something like that? I don't know. No. Oh, dude, Cuffs? When we're thinking about, like, <laughs> D-list movies, dude, Cuffs <laughs> is so good. I think that was Mila Jovovich's first American or first English movie, English language movie. Necessary Roughness is a 1991 football comedy. It's got uh, Rob Schneider in it Rob playing the Keith announcer, and he <laughs> never interacts with anyone else in the entire cast. Rob you know Schneider. that they just went to where he was, built him a booth, and they shot his scenes, and that's it. Like, And all he did was reprise his role from Saturday Night Live, basically. Uh, be, and, and like it stars Scott Bakula as a 30 year old college dropout who could have been the world's best college football player and he is brought back to college to finish out his eligibility uh, as the quarterback and um, Sinbad is in it as because he has eligibility also but he's actually a professor at the university Um. And who else is in it? Dude, Robert Loggia? We were talking about him the other day. Uh, Wait, is it Robert Loggia? Robert Let me look him yeah. up. Robert Loggia, Hector, Elizond- El- El- Hector Elzondo uh, plays a really heartfelt coach character. Um, dude, it, Kathy Ireland. It was the one that had Kathy Ireland as the field goal kicker. Like, a lot of people thought that movie was stupid, but I absolutely love it. Right. And, like, what's this even better is too. Bill... <laughs> this is totally my two. Bill Conti did the score for it, and it is phenomenal. Of course, Bill Conti did the score for The Right Stuff and all the Rocky movies and The Karate Kid. All the Karate Kid movies. Anyway, that's my two. Carry on. All right, my number, my number two is Blank Man. <laughs> Oh my god! That movie sucks! You're right! <laughs> that movie... Oh my god! That movie... You, you gotta be in the right... I mean, that movie like was on HBO. Robin and my sister and I watched that movie over and over. And it just got funnier and funnier. I rewatched it a couple weeks ago. 
it was it was still just as good. Like Damon Wayans, that guy. I, I even had to go. The thing about Damon Wayans is a lot of people don't know this is that he is a legend in the stand up business, and most people don't know it uh, because they only remember him mm. from In Living Color and a bunch of like you know whack movies on the you know that he made and uh, stuff he produced on the CW with his idiot brothers, uh, the Wayne brothers. Uh, but Blank Man was hilarious. Yeah. Um, I, I posted about it a couple weeks ago on Facebook. And all these closet blank man fans just came out like, I fucking love this. Oh, movie. that's awesome! Yeah, uh, just uh, David Allen Greer was in it. Uh, Robin Givens was in it. Uh, uh, I can't remember who the lady that played the grandma because they killed his grandma at the beginning. He's this he's this ragtag inventor, and uh, he invents this like uh, special like formula that makes clothes bulletproof. And it, it, the 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 electronic noon yeah. his his blank stop. <laughs> Uh, the, his secret, like, blank man headquarters, everything just made out of trash. Uh, but, but, uh, Jason, <laughs> Jason Alexander, uh, is the, the shithead guy that, uh, um, David Allen Grew works for, like, some rag, like, a rag, like, a National Enquirer, and, uh, he's just throwing darts at the wall with, like, okay, this person had sex with Bigfoot, write it up. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> Countless great lines like "You brought the nunchucks, the electronic powered nunchucks," um, uh-huh. when they're <laughs> faking out the uh, the wheelchair guy. Like they're saving Robin Givens. They're like, "What's going on?" He's like, "We messed up. You gotta save me too." Blake Man says, "There's no time." <laughs> the death of J Five when the the robot dies. <laughs> it was. It Damn, was, there's a lot about that I don't remember. Uh, Holy crap. The uh, the guy that plays the bad guy is that piece of shit from... Uh, he always plays a piece of shit in things, but he's a great... He's the greatest piece of shit of all Who's time. Uh, he was in The Crow. Uh, he was the pawn shop guy. Oh, um... Dude, for real. Uh, what the heck is that guy's name? It's, uh... John Polito. Uh, what... Huh? John, John Polito? Yeah, he unfortunately died back in 2016, though. That, uh... <laughs> he was the yeah. Uh, I see that he was the oh, and Duarte. He yeah. was that uh, loser uh, PI in the Big Lebowski driving the bug. <laughs> Tra- tracking. Oh right, totally. <laughs> yeah, he's in, yeah. He's in everything. All right, what's your three? You gotta give me a three, dude. Okay, this is my my number three, and I haven't seen it in a long, long time, and I've been thinking about it. I'm trying to. I'm thinking about try, uh, like I could probably just uh, like order. I could probably order it mm-hmm. or uh, watch it online. The Disorderlies, starring the Fat Boys. Really? That's like like Chubby Checker and the Fat Boys. Fat Boys. Yes, yes, totally. It was this idiotic movie that was supposed, to, you know, like another vehicle. Like, hey, let's just throw these guys in a movie while they're popular and see if it takes off, and then we can get them in more dumb comedies. And it was like. Okay, so they're in, I don't know, they're in Beverly Hills or something, or out on Long Island. I don't remember. I don't know where, what city they were in. And they get jobs as orderlies looking after this old billionaire whose snooty asshole, like, son (laughs) or nephew or something like that is trying to slowly poison the guy to death so that he can inherit the money. And I feel like the bad guy is played by the uh, snotty restaurant host in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. What's, um, what's the title again? The Disorderlies. Okay, keep going. Uh, and uh, and uh, the, the, um, so the Disorderlies, they get in there, and there's one night where they're like, 
oh, look at all this rich stuff. You know, the old man, we got him to bed. Everything's cool. <laughs> he's, on, he's like, he's in a wheelchair. He's on all these drugs. And he has no idea what's going on all the time. And then they go into his study and they're like, let's make a video. So they've got the camcorder and like the tape, the, like the reel to reel or the cassette tape thing. And then it's like, oh, so obviously the, the, the fat boys as the protagonists of this movie are definitely going to rap at some point in the movie. <laughs> so they're, does, they're does, rapping their song made for the movie. Does, like, but, 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 baby, you're a rich man. But, <laughs> but, but, baby, you're does a rich it, man. Does and, it save the like, day? Uh, no, it totally doesn't. It's, uh, it's that they make this video, and while they're goofing around making the music video, they knock all, like, they, they accidentally do something that gets rid of all of the guy's pills. <laughs> or, like, they accidentally flush them down the toilet, or something like that My happens. Pills. And... The old and then the, the one of the one of the fat boys is like, you remember when your when your uncle or your brother or your dad or whatever it was was sick and he took that big pill and then he had to take this other pill because he got heartburn because of the pill. Then he had to take a pill because it made him fart all the time. And then he had to take another <laughs> pill and then he just quit taking all those pills and he got better. And they're like, what did you do? And he's like, womp womp. I accidentally got rid of all of the guy's medication. Well, the fucking old man ends up getting way better and enjoying life and talking and being articulate. And like he he's like, I feel great. And it's all thanks to you guys. So the bad guys start closing in because they're like, if he's fucking going to survive, then we're never going to make any money. So we might just have to kill the old bastard outright. And then the disorderlies go into, you know, they go in and they save the day. It's, that it's sounds awesome. stupid. This sounds it's awesome. It's really a sweet-natured movie. That's my number three. I guess my, my runner-up would have been... Uh, um, oh, I freaking lost it. I had it a second ago. Once, I'm sorry if what, it comes to, once comes again, to my angle. Once again, we're on the same page, because I already thought of a runner-up from mine. Before we move on, <laughs> uh, Disorderly yeah, has two yep, of my Latino-American favorite actors. Tony Plana plays Miguel... Uh-huh. Who he's the same guy that played El Huapo, which means the handsome, in uh, the Three Amigos. Oh my God! Yes, and uh, Marco in in, uh, in the Three Amigos. Yeah, Three Amigos, and then Marco Rodriguez. He was in Cobra. He played Torres, which is my real last name. In the Crow, he was that shithead uh, uh, chief that kept threatening to, uh, uh, you know, send uh, uh, Ernie Hudson on the beat again for screwing up a case and oh, playing yeah. by his own rules. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now this looks like a great movie, man. Now what Mon- uh, the disorderlies? Yeah, yeah if I can is- find a copy of it, I absolutely want to watch that again soon. All right, my number three is a gem of a. If you can, <laughs> it's on. It's on Prime. I can't believe it's on Prime. Um, uh-huh. It's a slapstick comedy. Back when slapstick comedy was an art, and I mean slapstick like Naked Gun. But this thing was mm-hmm. gross. <laughs> it was gross. Okay, so a little bit of background. A lot of famous people in this movie. Andrew Dice Clay is in it. Linda Blair because she needed coke money. Um, this is a <laughs> Dude, you know that song "Cold as Ice" by fucking uh, Rick Rick uh, Rick James? That's about her. <laughs> oh, I thought you were gonna t- say that by. Uh... Uh, what's it, Van Winkle, otherwise known as Vanilla Ice? No, no, wait, wait. Is, am I saying the right? I'm pretty sure it's Cold as Ice. Uh, that's not ooh. sure. No, that's that's a foreigner song. Uh, 
God, there's, a, there's yeah, she's as cold as ice. Th- there's a there's a Rick James song, "Cold Woman" or something like that. I can't remember. God damn it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but that's about her because her and Rick James used to date. All right, so the premise of this movie is preceded by the Gong Show. Uh, remember the Gong Show? I'm terribly familiar with it because I love Sam Rockwell in Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Okay, do you remember there was a continuous guest on the Gong Show called the Unknown Comic? It was a guy in a yes. brown suit. It was a guy in a, br- in a brown suit that had a bl- uh, paper bag over his head with two eyes and a mouth hole. And yep. the, the, the premise of this movie is that Murray is a, uh, he's on night patrol. And their dwarf, uh, the dwarf chief, he's tiny. He's constantly farting, and for some reason he's always lying. And, <laughs> like, everything out of his mouth is a lie. It's a great gimmick. You can't trust anything he says. And, uh... Uh, Murray is moonlighting against the Chief's uh, rules as a comic, uh, a stand-up com- comedian. But he, he can't show his face because he's going to get busted and he's going to get fired off the force. So he, okay. puts a bag, he puts a bag over his head and his jokes were just ridiculous. Like, hey, lady, I, saw, I got a joke for you that's going to make your titties fall off. Oh, you've, you've already heard it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Andrew, Andrew Dice Clay is this uh, up-and-coming... Oh, He's not an up-and-coming comic, but he's a terrible comic who's constantly trying to get the Unknown Comics uh, manager to book him and and to manage him. And throughout the entire movie, she gets more and more injured. Like in the other guys, when the Prius gets more and more destroyed, her she just keeps getting like broken arm, broken leg, and his he's like oh, you like shit. fuck he's like like it's an like one of my favorite interview play joke ever. Uh, obviously, I got a curse, but uh, it's for mm-hmm. research purposes. Why the fucking monkey fell out the fucking tree? It was fucking dead. <laughs> and, okay, <laughs> he just made me snort. <laughs> I can't believe it. So thanks, Andrew Dice Clay. So uh, there is a uh, imposter unknown comic that is robbing uh, local convenience stores, bars late at night, wearing the same getup with the same bag of his head and telling really bad jokes. So Murray is assigned on the case to basically arrest himself, even though he knows he's not robbing people. And uh, mm-hmm. they keep responding to these ridiculous cases. Um, that they get, a, they, get a, <laughs> they get a call that this bar got robbed. And they will go in this bar, and it's a lesbian bar, and all the it's not like it's not like John, uh, it's it's not like uh like like they're all wearing flannel t-shirts and shit like that. They're all punk rock mm-hmm. biker chicks, and uh, <laughs> and they're like, listen, the guy only got a lousy fifty bucks. We're just pissed off about the damn joke he said. And he's like. Uh, well, what joke did he say? He's like, well, as he took the money, he's like, hey, what's a lesbian's favorite uh, TV show? What's a, fi- a lesbian's favorite TV show? The Dyke Van Dick Show. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, granted, this is an 80s movie. This is like 83, 84. Uh, actually, I got it in front of me. <laughs> but uh, 80, 80, 84. And uh, right when he tells him that, the dude's partner like points at the pool table, and they're playing pool with no balls on the table. <laughs> and, but you hear, you still hear the distinctive sound of balls clacking together. And uh, like, if we find this oh guy, we're gonna cut his balls off. And while they're having dinner at the most disgusting late night diner, they get a call about a rape victim, and they re- that the the victim is still lying in an alley, and they they get to the the alley. And Pat Morita is laying on the ground, exhausted, dehydrated, and hyperventilating. 
What? And, he, and they they took his voice out. They they had they superimposed his voice with like a really high pitched woman's voice. And like, what happened to you? The what did they do? And he's like, in a woman's voice, he's like, well, I was really drunk and I needed to sleep it off. And I laid down here and I put a bag over my head to keep the, the street light out of my eye. Well, these angry lesbians <laughs> caught me and they made me, they made me pull it out. And they're like, what did they make you pull out? Was it, was it your, your peepee? <laughs> and he's like, oh God, they made me get off like 37 times. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they should, they, they just made him keep playing with it over and over and over at gunpoint. <laughs> and it just gets, it just escalates. And, uh, God, uh, it's... Oh, man. It, oh, man. There's... Oh, man. <laughs> it's a Jackie Kong flick. Uh, look it up. If you know it, you know it. Like, if I bring up trauma, or trauma, like that sort of thing. But, uh, my... Oh, trauma, yeah. My, yeah. my runner-up, and the reason it's my runner-up, because it was an equally bad movie... Uh, that was on the same tape that I always kept borrowing from my friend that had Night Patrol in it. I mean, my sister watched it all the time. Really shouldn't have let her watch this movie when she was like fucking eight years old. Um, was The Corsican Brothers by Cheech and Chong. The Corsican Brothers, huh? Yeah, they're these uh, Mexican-American French people in French revolutionary times. And they're separated at birth twins. And uh, they can feel each other's pain. So if you punch Chong in the face, Cheech would feel it. It, it, That's crazy. That's Tomax and Zamot from G.I. Joe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they are legitimately from Corsica. That's the way Larry Hammer yeah. wrote out their there's uh, an, their file cards. There's an old French, like, uh, snooty, snooty uh, play or something like that that it's based off of. But it's... Okay, it's okay. Pre- it's pretty bad. Did you, did you remember your runner-up? Uh, I, dude, I have scrolled through a dozen different things. There's movies I absolutely hate, <laughs> despite, like, there's, there's, there's movies that are crap and I absolutely hate them. Uh, like, I can, re- I can recall a lot more, uh, like that than I can, like, movies that are definitely crap. Like, I still don't, I, like, I don't think that Necessary Roughness is crap. I adore that movie, but a lot of people just think it's, it's just so obvious and it's so hackneyed and stuff and like it's just it's just so completely like but uh dude i I think it's i think it's a great show um there's movies i totally despise like my girl it's just how did that get a sequel and like curly sue just no absolutely not i loved my girl two more than my girl one (laughs) i love both those movies and i love curly sue that was a great movie what, I can't do it. You, I can't do it. Are you saying Jim Belushi isn't an Adonis of an actor? <laughs> an Adonis? Uh, no, the, no, definitely not. The only thing I hate, bu- huh? The only thing he's really done that really made me laugh was when he was on Saturday Night Live as the pissed off coach for the chess team. <laughs> <laughs> so the, for That's the, hilarious. For the chess team, is like, and like, so like the announcer is like, he moves Rook to run one, and what the hell are you doing? He's like throwing chairs in, into the non-existent crowd, <laughs> yelling at the umpire. It was so funny. That's man. awesome. <laughs> oh man, dude, that was fun. Dude, we went crazy on that crap for a while. Hey, minefielders, if you've got a movie that everybody hates but you love it, let us know. And uh, we'll tell you what we think, and if we loved it or whatever, and well, maybe we, if we, you know, hey, let's we'll mention it in the next show. Uh, if you've got movies that are terrible uh, that everybody likes, 
Dude, hit us up. You know Don't what? just say, I hate Gladiator, and everybody loves it. I mean, like, legitimately hit us up with something that everybody has a reason to like, and you don't like it for whatever reason. You know what we should you do? just come in. What do you got? When we get popular enough, because we've got a steady stream of kick-ass minefield listeners. We get po- All 30 of them right now, dude. <laughs> when, when, we get, when we get popular enough, we should do a live stream... And where we all synced on the same movie, but we start taking calls like a late night. Oh, I would love that. That would be super fun. Like yeah. like a late night DJ thing. Like, tell me your problems. Like, well, my girl. <laughs> no, let's. Uh, we need to do that. And, I and, love it. I love it. That's a great idea. By the way, That's a members, great idea. I think the reason why we're in this mood right now is because before we started recording, we started looking up famous actresses' boobs. Like we were like ten years old, and I was. <laughs> he's laughing at Do me. Do not say who we were looking. <laughs> I at. am not going to say it. But we do saw, not say we, anything else we, about. We this. saw some good <laughs> boobs, and he was like, I'm "Like I'm like we're like we're ten years old," and I was thinking like, "Man, if we were friends in like back in like, Jesus, middle not even middle school, like sixth fifth grade, him and I like I would have been taking him because I found out." There's two guaranteed places back in the early 90s to find pornography. Construction sites, which there were, <laughs> yeah. which there were always construction on base and the bases I grew up on. My first mm-hmm. porn that was my actual, my own, was an issue of penthouse that was water stained after a rainstorm that some dude left out because he really liked it and was hoping it would dry. I stole that some bitch. Um, oh and then, God. and then the woods, and I, I, I wonder if it's still a thing. Like, just in the woods, just in the woods. So if you like back in them, uh, I wonder if it's still a thing. It was like a, a, a magic fairy godmother of pornography. You'd be wandering in the woods, and you'd find some torn up pieces of porno. Like you'd find a little, like you know, ripping of a page that had a titty on it, and then you just followed the direction like breadcrumbs. And eventually, every single base I lived on had this. Uh, Alaska, uh, Maxwell Air Force Base, Alabama, Edwards Air Force Base, uh, it didn't have a forest, but it had places to wander around, uh, in the desert, um, Jesus, uh, God, Guam, (laughs) you just find it. This show just went way down. You you just follow the magic breadcrumbs of torn up pornography and eventually you'll find a box with more pornography and usually a chair or something to sit on. I'm not going to lie, I feel like that sounds uh, vaguely familiar, yeah. <laughs> I know that, because they're all of the neighborhood kids, oh, there was one, one, one couple of kids at the uh, other end of my neighborhood whose dad got, he had magazines and stuff, and it just seemed like stuff would disappear from his house and magically appear in other places all the time. Everyone had that one friend whose dad was divorced. <laughs> you'd find that way <laughs> yeah well let's talk about some comics all right let's let's get on to the uh, actual topic of discussion the meat and potatoes uh, all right so we've yeah, got the meat and potatoes yeah we're done with the salad that went on forever and ever that wasn't really the salad that was more like a, a really crappy like you were drunk at 3 a.m and ended up at waffle house We've just been eating. We've been eating the the table bread for a long time. Yeah, it's ordering a steak at a strip club. Uh, <laughs> I've never done that. I okay. have. I have. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> Myfields issue fifty five. We're going over basketful heads number seven, the uh, finality uh, or number six. 
Avengers number 33, Farmhand number 15, Amazing Spider-Man number 43, and Venom number 25. Uh, there's a few other comics I'm going to brush on as honorable mentions, like the latest Flash, Justice League, uh, The Spectre, uh, Batman Beyond, uh, Wonder Woman. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff that came out this week. I mean, they really picked and chose the best ones to put out. There's a bunch of new DC digital-only stuff. There's a Joker, there's a Flash, uh, there's a Wonder Woman. Do what you gotta do to get your hands on them. Like, they picked the mm. creme de la creme. Nothing was bad. Oh, uh, I'm gonna add the Terrifics to this. That was probably my favorite comic that came out this week. It was such... We'll get to that at the end, uh, because it's it's wacky. Uh, but let's, uh, what do you want to do first? Oh, dude, hit us up with some of your material, some of the stuff you've got. All right, so I guess well, let's do Terrifics now, man, since we're being wa mm -hmm. wacky. Every time I think wa the word wacky, I think about Johnny the Homicidal Maniac when uh, someone tells him that his, uh, in, I don't know if you guys ever read this old school goth comic by Yonan Vizquez, uh, I remember it. someone uh, mentioned that his getup looked wacky and it just made him snap. <laughs> he's sitting in a coffee, <laughs> he's sitting in a coffee, uh, a coffee house and he's like I was gonna pass this place up until next week but I guess I'll kill everyone in here now and uh he just <laughs> and wacky just loses his goddamn mind and like uh he's killing everyone in the in the in the main area in the main dining area and then there's a guy he's cut to a scene where this guy's sitting in a stall and he's like hey uh dude over there in the next stall you, you, you got any extra teepee and then like this flaming like Thing of dynamite flies in. You should have checked first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm pulling up. I'm pulling up the terrifics. It was just a lot of goddamn fun. Come on, where are you? I'm uh, going through my stack. Got a messy stack. Terrifics number twenty-seven. The terrifics, smartest heroes in the DCU, and then and Plastic Man. Hmm. <clears throat> this I had a lot of fun because they added a separate team. The Tea Council uh, to it. Some people that I am so psyched to see in a legit kick-ass fun comic book. So the Terrifics, the we're talking about Council, Plastic huh? Man, we're talking about Metamorpho, Mr. Terrific. Um, the Tea Council introduced new people to the team like Man Bat, uh, Mark Strong, uh, not Mark Strong, or Mr. Strong. Like, what was it that, that Grant Morrison comic, Mr. Strong? Uh... God. In 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 relation to what though? He he did a comic. Grant Morrison did Mister Strong or something. Where was that? Where was that Grant? Uh, where was that uh, Alan Moore? Man, I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm not. It's not popping ahead. But we've got the. You keep going. I'll look stuff up. Yeah, it's it's like Mister Strong or something like that. He's red shirt, red, uh, white triangle on the front. Type in uh, Grant Morrison and then Strong. And if that doesn't work, type in Alan Moore and Strong. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> One of them will uh, get super pissed off yeah. about this if they hear us. Yeah, uh, but we got the Blue Beetle. Uh, they're they're oh yeah they're uh, like gotta love the Blue Beetle. And uh, the only thing that would have if if they had introduced Guy Gardner in this, I would like I'd be I'd be hooked. Oh, Tom Strong. Yeah, Tom, now I recall Tom Strong. Tom Sorry. Strong. Yeah. Uh -huh. But of course we got Plastic Man. T Council is now a separate organization within the Terrifics and. They're battling these giant, like, huge mutant monsters that are actually mutated versions of a uh, stolen uh, um, a group of airline passengers that were kidnapped. And we encounter a old-school baddie. But it's just a lot of fun. We're talking, like, this, 
they wrote this in terms of... I imagine that when they wrote this, they were writing this as if it was like 1965, and it was... They were hoping that it's going to be a, a, a... Translate into a cartoon. Mm-hmm. A cartoon, mm-hmm. but just like... The, the Their banter in between like the fights, like, Hey there, Mark Strong, nice punch to that vicious enemy. <laughs> like, like it, it's, it's just... It just comes... Oh, it yeah. comes off so hokey, but... They do a good job of having... The artwork is phenomenal. It's not talking heads. Mr. Terrific is figuring things out. He's a great leader. I love seeing Man Bat. And they even integrate... And I'm talking about, like, Saturday morning cartoon stuff. The the new... Uh, the, <laughs> the new Terrific's, like... Like, when the Tick jumps into battle, he's like, Spoon! But this is... Go, Terrific's! Go! <laughs> and it's so stupid, but... <laughs> so much fun. Guys, have a lot of fun with this comic book. This is an excellent jumping-off point. If if you have no idea what the Terrifics are, it doesn't matter. Because they introduce each other through their banter at the beginning of the, the, the main fight. And uh, it ends in a good point that if even if the, you didn't read this one, the next one's going to kick it off. And uh, this, I get the impression this is like the end of a story or like a, uh, a climax that's going to go up or down. Great monsters, man. The monsters in this were just beautiful. Uh the coloring, inking, uh, it's intense. There's a death at the end. I mean, like, you really couldn't have, like, packed any more super comic, superhero comic book tropes into one issue. And it's uh, written by uh, Jean uh, Leon Yang. Uh, Sergio uh, Davila is pencils. Uh, Vicente mm. Cifuentes is inks. Photomunker does the colors. Uh, Tom Napoli- Napolitano does the letters dan moore does the cover a lot of fun man it it just it it really invigorated me as an old school comic fan like the 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 muscles i forgot that enjoyed comic books in my brain were reactivated in this in this issue that's a nice way to put it that's pretty cool yeah it sounds like it pays homage to some of the sillier aspects of uh, of material that we we read years and years ago, and people tend to I think the creative teams try they tend to get away from that kind of stuff after a fashion, but coming back to it isn't a bad thing. No, no, because it either especially if you're like no hey let's do that and like older readers are gonna realize what we're doing and they're gonna they're gonna they they miss that maybe and. It's going to go somewhere or it doesn't. And if it doesn't, we just change the shtick. It's not a big deal. It was just a lot of fun, man. And yeah, I, I really highly suggest it. If, if you need a breath of fresh air from getting really deep into what's going on in Batman or Spawn. <laughs> look what's on, that? Look on, your, <clears throat> look on your face. Ah, if you need a breath, air, <laughs> breath of fresh air, this is, this is where you get it. Have fun with the Terrifics, guys. It, it is. I, I really think that this is going to be a cartoon that they're like. Uh, like uh, if I was producing things in DC, I would make this. <laughs> don't do that, dude. <laughs> I would make this into a rated R, awesome cartoon because all the DC cartoons. Dude, are awesome. good idea. If they, Man. if they made this rated R, because and it's not. It's not like one of those <clears throat> cash grabs where like like. Harley Quinn. And the Terrifics. No, no, no Harley Quinn shit. Oh, yeah. No Harley Quinn shit. The only thing I think, I really hope, bring in Guy Gardner and maybe Booster Gold, and it'll be awesome. <laughs> cool, cool. 
What do you no, think? I mean, it, 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 it would be kind of interesting if they did it the way they were doing it. And it was like a bunch of dudes who were like, no, we're trying to, you know, save the world and do it our way and be wholesome about stuff. But they keep getting stuck in extraordinarily rated R situations. And they're like, this is not what we were hoping was going to happen. You know, and you're just like... Every day, they're just like, oh, yeah, blah, 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 everything's cool. And then here's a person who's turned inside out. And it's just, like, embarrassing stuff. Yeah. I don't know. That could be a lot of, that could be pretty great. Well, I, I'm, mm. I'm surprised. I just, I read a lot of comics this week. And, yeah, this was my favorite one. This was my hands-down favorite cool. one, man. Uh, I, I read, uh, I did go into and finally finished reading Faithless and uh, got caught up in 20XX. Um, but, man, this was, uh, this was... This was a hot dog and some cotton candy <laughs> at Coney Island with your dad oh, with, with with your dad that never shows up <laughs> that shows up in his motorcycle jacket. This is the this this is the All right, all right, all right. You're 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 like this is this wonderful fun thing, but this is just going to get it's, 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 but it's like that, man. It's just like, you're like this is great it's and then the one magical day that you have with your up. motorcycle totally dad that abandons up. you. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. All right, all right. I'm going to break the stillness. Progress. One, Progress. One, two, three, serious. In other news today, the <laughs> gross domestic product of the United States was increased because the uh, unemployment rate went down, went back to uh, 13% instead of 26 One of my uh, One of my favorite Simpsons quotes was when uh, Homer was doing stand-up comedy at Mr. Burns' uh, uh, Mr. Burns' birthday party. Uh, Smithers gets up and he's like, right before he introduces Homer, he's like, uh, before I introduce the next act, I just want to say that a dog, not unlike Lassie, has just been run over and killed in the parking lot. And <laughs> here's the comedy stylings of Homer Simpson. <laughs> and everyone's all bummed out. Yeah. Get off the stage, you awful man. Oh, dude, the best part about that one was, like, uh, we've got a special band. <laughs> These, How does he say it? He's like, here are several young men. That are sure to go far, ladies and gentlemen. The Ramones, <laughs> and, and the, uh, the 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 curtain o- opens, and it's just <laughs> Johnny's like, I just want to say that this gig sucks. Yeah, up yours, Springfield, <laughs> and they sing Happy Birthday, and it ends, and they're like, Go to hell, you old bastard. <laughs> it was one of the best things ever. God, all right, you got me on the silly jazz. I gotta get off it. I'm sorry. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so what do we got here? We got the Avengers. We got the new Avengers issue. Uh, they're launching. Uh, it's kind of awesome when they actually decide to stick something on the cover that says that it's a launching off point for a new in-title storyline. And I don't know if this is going to spread across and be a cross-title promotional event, but it is... Uh, I hope it's a solid uh, six. <clears throat> Yeah, why not? I mean, there's a lot of places they can go with it. <clears throat> anyway, so it's uh, Avengers number 33 or Legacy issue 733. Uh, it's the one with um, Moon Knight on the cover, and it is uh, The Age of Khonshu Part 1. Moon Knight is a troubled character. He's a guy that I think, like like the Inhumans, like... Uh, who else? I don't know. Like Iron Fist? Uh, uh, it's it's there difficult. Are a lot of, he's not a these there are a lot of characters that don't suck, but they don't really need to be running their own book. Now I will say I would most love to go back and read early '90s Moon Knight, uh, you know, 
Infinity Gauntlet era type stuff. I paid for the app. You got my you got my password. No, no, yeah, we can totally check this out. What I'm saying is that like uh, back then it makes sense to run a character like this, but uh, anymore it's kind of like like the Inhumans. I just don't see the Inhumans having their own book. Like they should like they're best used when. Jay Lee's going to do an awesome twelve-part issue or twelve-part series right. with somebody or whatever. So Moon Knight popping up right now, and not necessarily being the good guy, is fascinating. So Moon Knight is a character that has uh, got multiple personality disorder, and um, he has been a mercenary. He is like the avatar of the Egyptian spirit of Khonshu. Uh, are you having an earthquake? Why are you jumping around? I don't What's know. What's going on? Are you typing? It's okay to type. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm taking and, notes. Uh, oh, good idea. So there's uh, so Mark Spector, the Moon Knight. Like I think his best run that wasn't in a concurrent title was when Bendis and Maliev did a twelve part issue or t- series uh, just a handful of years ago. This sh- this is collected. It should not be expensive in back issues. If you want to go look for it at your local, and I really recommend that. Uh, and um, it was that he, he wasn't in New York, you know, he's in L.A., and he's he's like, I'm trying to get my start out here, I'm trying to be a reality star, and he's independently wealthy, and so it was this whole thing where it's like, okay, you're going to take your entire life and turn it into a movie or whatever, and then uh, Count Nefaria turns out to be the bad guy in Los Angeles. That story was awesome. So this story, oh. I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know if it's going to be awesome, but it is what's going on. So Avengers number 33 has us um, dealing with, it. like initially, it's kind of fascinating. Every different iteration of him in this issue has a different costume. And that goes hand in hand with his uh, schizophrenia, his personal, pers- personal personality disorder. Multiple personalities. Multiple personalities. So, Schizophrenia yeah. is when you hear voices. Multiple personalities. Where he's there you at. go. I, he does hear voices. That's the thing. Because he's, he's either hearing voices like because uh, Khonshu talks to him, uh, the Egyptian god of the moon. It's genius or, to get them all together. It, yeah, dude. I mean, th- like, there's so much that you can do with this story. So I'm just hoping it's not a missed opportunity. I'm hoping that they fully realize what could go on with it. But the wackiness is that. Uh, Moon Knight is going around to a bunch of Avengers and allies of the Avengers and essentially stealing their powers for some reason. And God help me, I really hope that it has something to do with with, uh, another issue I'm going to talk about here in a little bit, the the most recent issue of Venom. Um, And I hope it has something to do with uh, Silver Surfer Black that came to a conclusion a little bit ago, and we talked extensively about that. Silver Surfer Black needs to be studied collegiately. uh, Oh my god. Check that freaking book out. In in two different studies. Writing and an art. Uh, Oh, the art. You haven't seen... Uh, like hypnotic surrealist art like this in comics for a while. It's it's so many blends of different forms of artwork, like surrealism, Dadaism, sixty uh, mm-hmm. psych. Uh, what's the word? Psychedelia. Psychedelia. Yeah. Um, but but wait, I digress. Now the one thing. Okay, so we see Moon Knight and he's going around and he's kicking some superheroes' asses in his different personas and he's talking to himself. Um, before I get too far into it, 
the thing about it, why I said six, and this is something that if you guys have ever like been faithful MFers, mind, mind, minefielders here, is that there's only so much they can do with Mar uh, Moon Knight. The reason why is because they always start off a really kick-ass story. The first six issues are the same writer, same mm. artist, and it's kicking ass. And then they bring in new guys. They bring in some D-listers and give them some chances, which You're is right. fine. But these D-listers can never, that are eventually going to be A-listers, which are good, uh, can never keep the momentum going that is going on in a Moon Knight story. They usually have to cut it off early uh, or, or barely finish it. I hope they keep it at six. Now, the thing that's really going on, so he's collecting all these uh, relics from different um, Marvel superheroes. Now, if you've been reading the Avengers in the past year... Uh, you're going to know uh, instinctively that what he's doing is collecting relics from... Because he, he encounters the Black Panther, he encounters Thor, he encounters the Iron Fist. That is three of the seven original Avengers, if you've been reading uh, Avengers, because you know that Tony Stark got trapped in time back in the day, um, that the quote-unquote original Avengers now is like early man and... Odin is leading these Avengers, and it's the first incantation of the Phoenix, the Iron Fist, uh, the Sorcerer Supreme, the, um, God, uh, I'm, I'm spacing here, um, God, uh, Ghost Rider, mm -hmm, and you, mm -hmm. see, you see him encounter Ghost Rider too, the car gets stolen, so uh, he's collecting these relics of the original, of the original, uh, the original uh, Avengers team that... Uh, oh, and they're, he's, he's after the star brand. So if you've been reading Avengers, you know that a baby was born with the star brand. They've had a lot of uh, uh, random history of the star brand that's going on here. He's after the baby. You see he's got all everything collected in onks. Uh, onks yeah, never powers. Yep. Never trust anyone that's way too much into Egyptian culture. They are not to be trusted. <laughs> trust me. And that's what's going on here. And we're having a lot of fun. And I really hope they keep it at 6. They got the balls to go to 12. Maybe integrate it for... God, like, what was the... Like, I remember we knew, like, what the summer thing was, and I forgot about it. Like, because the, the plan... Oh, what, Empire? The, the plan... Yeah, something like that. Whatever the planned summer event was going to be is obviously delayed. Empire with a Y. But I, I doubt it has anything to do with this. I hope they keep it within the pages of the Avengers, because... Uh, my favorite thing about the Avengers is that, uh, well, certain aspects of the Avengers, when they're writing it correctly, like, remember when Bendis took Dude. over after yeah. after Siege and Heroes Reborn, not Heroes Reborn, uh, Heroes, uh, Reign of Heroes, what was it after Siege? It was Heroes and Gold, it was on all the covers, and Bendis took over. The Heroic Age. Yeah, and Bendis took over, and it was that short, world, universe-threatening story where the Hood got the Infinity Gauntlet. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. And then Kang, that was pretty good. Kang showed up. I mean, like, if it's the Avengers, make it big, but, you know, don't draw it out and really mm -hmm. make us get Well, bored. that was the one we were talking about, the Red, Red Hulk. That was the one where the Red Hulk was invited to join the team. Yeah. Uh, it was, I think, most fun when Thanos showed up and was like, dude, you can't control all of that power. Who do you even think you are? I'm going to take those from you. He's like, I invite you to try. It's like... But it was a it was a like a phantasm that Doctor Strange created, and I was, oh man, that was a cool switch. But uh, 
Yeah. I think that was where he was going around collecting all of the gems from uh, the from the Illuminati, where they had them all in their little hidey places around the world and on the moon and whatever, wherever they were. Uh, that's a it's a good story. That's a good story too. Check with your retailer. Give us the credits. Um, oh yeah, sorry. Um, whoa, there we go. Letter. Oh no, that's not. It, right. It's 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 above it. The Age of Konshu Part One in blue. Yeah. Oh, I'm just trying to figure out why it's not exactly presented on the the actual. No, no. So, credits so page. I, I've got it here. It's a uh, mm-hmm. Moon Knight versus the Avengers by Jason Aaron and oh, that's why it's so damn good, Jason Aaron. And, oh, there it is. And, yeah, and, Jason Aaron and Javier Guerrero. Yep. Go ahead. And then uh, the color artist is Jason Keith. Uh, letterer is VCs Corey Pettit. Uh, cover is Matteo Scalera and Rochelle Rosenberg. I really like the cover because it uh, it's just not like anything we've seen for a long time. And there's a line of different other Egyptian characters. They're either gods or other characters that used to be imbued with the power of the Moon Knight. I don't exactly know. There are these Khonshu worshippers throughout the entire book. And that may be who they are, in fact. But they're presented more or less halfway up the page. So it's a very striking cover <clears throat> compared because there's all these runes, and or not runes, there's cuneiform uh, on the top, and then there's a gradient down into the, into the lighter color palette. So these guys presenting themselves, it just creates a very stark difference between uh, the, the aspects that are going on at the top of the uh, cover and the bottom. Uh, I don't know what any of the any poss- any of the variant covers look like. I never go looking. For I don't. That. I just. I don't I'm give. A, super bored of variant covers. I don't give a shit about variant covers. Every now and then, one might come out <clears throat> that I, I think is worth the merit. Like if they do a Lost Fish cover, or uh, there's an Adam uh, Adam Kubert cover of the one of the latest issues of, of Wolverine <laughs> that is so hard to find right now, where they mm. they they the entire background is just a stark swatch of yellow. And rather than uh, rather than draw his muscles like he's standing in front of the yellow, all the yellow parts of his costume just bleed into the yellow. Oh, they bleed in. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. It is a beautiful like this. Uh, you know, honestly, I'd rather have it as a poster than the variant cover because that's that's just art. Oh, for real? Yeah. that'd be cool. I'm gonna look that up while we're yeah. talking. I gotta have that as a. That's I pretty got, awesome. I got that grown ass man money. I'm gonna order that damn thing as a fucking poster. <laughs> You are not. You're going to buy another box of Ikoria. No, I'm not. I got everything. And I'm not sharing this time. I'm, I'm being stingy this time. <laughs> All right, so what do we yeah. got next, brother? No, you've got something next. You've got 340 comics to talk oh, about. Oh, no. Uh, real quick, um, the Exo Sisters, issue number six by Ian uh, Boothby, Giselle mm-hmm. uh, Lergasse, artist, colorist Pete Pantasis. Letterer Taylor Esposito, uh, Image Comic Book. This is a. I felt I I, I felt like. Uh, Sorry, I'm moving my headphones. No, Carry no, on. you're fine. It was like I felt like reading a barely legal issue like back in the day when I was like 18. <laughs> like this is a. Uh, this is a. It's a very well written, very well designed, very well illustrated. Uh, tweener, no, not tweener. That's a wrestling term. <laughs> tweener. Th- this is a t- this is a tween comic. If you're 13 and you think Ugh. you're and you think you're goth, 
this is the comic for you. The twin sisters. So it's Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Almost. Twin twin sisters, they're both super goth, emo looking. I mean, like, not not goth like old school the way we are. Or I am, not you. <laughs> uh, like, th- this is the ones that are the argument between I'm emo and goth. I'm too militant to look goth all the time. Yeah, but they, they're, they're stuck in heaven. In their own different heavens, and and the they're they, stuck in heaven. Yeah, they're stuck in heaven, <laughs> and the angels know that they don't want to be there, so they make it look like they're evil fantasies. So they're in heaven, and one of them thinks that they're the queen of heaven had just killed Lucifer, and she's torturing people, playing the guitar. It's it, it was it, it's less like reading an Archie comic. Like if I read if I picked up an Archie Archie Digest right now. That would be pretty on the level, like you know, old school fifties. Pretty on the level of a uh, of uh, the maturity of this sort of comic, but it was fun. <laughs> I, I didn't. That's actually really a cute concept. I, I didn't hate it. The Exorcists, uh, Exorcisters, sorry. Exorcisters. Exorcisters. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> another uh, another um, honorable mention. T Titans number forty one. Ooh. This is a great mm-hmm. jumping off point, guys. If you're interested in Teen Titans, you love the co- the cartoon, which is epic on Cartoon Network. This is it. Really is. This is the ending of a big story where Dejin realizes she's not really trapped in the ring, like which is basically her lamp, and they tell her that the power is in her all all the time, and they end a really long storyline that's going to be going on for about like uh, I want to say like six, maybe twelve issues. Um, where she overcomes, the Teen Titans kick some ass. Uh, there's redemption. There's man. There are some epic poses in this. Like whoever, like well, not whoever. I'm gonna pull up the the uh, credits in a second here. The artists really just focus on dynamic poses, and not just like posing like you're about to beat someone up and uh, you're looking tough. I mean like. Like emotional moments, so we're uh, the scripted by Adam Glass and Robbie Thompson, Eduardo Hamsia, pencils Julio Ferraria, inks Marco Maiolo, colors and Rob Lay uh, for the letters. Have some fun. This is a this is a really good point to if you want to kick off and know what's going on before they start the next series. Everything you need to know is in this issue. And then the next episode or issue that's going to come out is when they're going to kick off the next the next issue. So have some fun. It's worth it. It's mm. it's worth every penny. Right on, right on. What do you got? What do I have next, dude? Okay, I was going to talk about that. Uh, uh, oh gosh, that Venom, the new Venom. Oh, uh, this, this was dude. heavy. It really was, and I I rarely pick up Venom related stuff because it's uh, it just harkens back to the '90s. Venom is so extreme, <laughs> and uh, glow in the dark cover, eight hundred dollars. Buy this and finance your next house in ten years. Yeah, that kind of stuff. So my that's that's basically always been my bitch with it, and it just it just because Venom there's a type of people who run around with Venom as a thing, and they're not even Deadpool guys, but uh, it's, it's you know, those people have kind of grown out of it, I hope. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know what? I gotta say, like, I'm not, I'm not sitting here saying, oh, I'm gonna read all of the Venom and, 
and uh, go back and read this entire series. But every time that that Eddie Brock has done anything lately, they have done a kick-ass job with him. Like, humanizing him, making him interesting, giving him a reason to do stuff. Uh, he's got this kid, Dylan, that's pretty much he's concluded that that's his son, uh, no, no, it, it is his son. Dylan, like, yeah. him, Dylan finding out that Eddie is his dad was one of the main focal points of the ending of uh, uh, Absolute Carnage. Yeah. So he knows, but we've got Eddie trapped on an island, which is That's just, right. just like you said, harkens back to the 90s uh, post. Uh, but I love that. Oh, dude, that was you great. <clears throat> I love it too. Um,. We, we, he's on an island, alone. But this time, he's got a Carnage symbiote and a Venom symbiote to deal with. Yeah. Let me get into the credits here, since I finally found it. Uh, it's like, at the end of the issue, and then they have a, uh, a throwback... Um, a throwback uh, side story attached to the book. Donnie Cates writing it. Mark Bagley penciling it. What a good job Mark Bagley did. I had a conversation... With Bagley one of my favorite this? comics vendors, Bagley, yeah. I thought it looked familiar. But I'm going to say that I feel like Bagley's work has grown up a lot, as evidenced, especially last year in uh, the Life and Times of, of Spider-Man. Um, I talk, feel about like the, talk about the story. We're going to separate the art. Okay, yeah, we'll do that. Uh, also, Andy Owens, inker. Frank Martin is a color artist, and VCs Clayton Cowles is the letterer. Um... Donnie Cates, baby, man. He's the moneymaker, man. He's a moneymaker. God damn, he's the next Bendis, man. Mm-hmm. Interesting point. I will say that uh, it's, you know, this this issue has something that I know you're not terribly familiar with, a bunch of talking heads, but, like, the the the, the expressions and the characterization of, of Eddie Brock here is really good stuff. It makes me think of Flash Thompson while he had the Venom symbiote briefly and um what we have here is a whole lot like i say of little six shot panels with eddie explaining situations we don't know who he's talking to necessarily and uh obviously different obviously it's the build-up oh yeah totally and he's he's going back and like hey guys this is what happened this is what happened to me this is what happened this is how it is and Blah blah blah. And it's it's going back over the last twenty five issues of this book and then other preceding stuff as well. And um, ow, just had a twinge in my hand. And uh, it in his, it's like I say, it's these like little six shot frames, and then there'll be a splash page of serious action. Uh, and they're like pin up pieces, just crazy symbiote stuff. Tyrannosaurus Rex with a symbiote wrapped around it, and just nut nutball stuffola, right? Like, like I said, focus on the story. We'll get to the art in a minute. Well, like, I, yeah. So, like, I mean, that's just the layouts. I'm sorry. So, you've got him trying to figure out whether or not he was trapped inside the Carnage symbiote, uh, dude. In the end, the problem I have is that I picked this book up out of nowhere because it happened to be a new issue. You had some fun, didn't and, you? Huh? You had some fun, didn't you? Yeah, sure, but it's all just wild, crazy, like, slobbering, toothy monsters and stuff like that. 
and I, and it doesn't necessarily mean anything to me. So I feel like I do need to go back. Even if Eddie is explaining this to somebody, it doesn't necessarily make any sense. And I kind of appreciate that because nothing about his life, unfortunately, makes any sense. And uh, in the end, it's this whole aspect of how Dylan, his son, or his, uh, his, his prospective son, is... He's got a realizing power. Realizing that he has a he has a power. And that the, the symbiotes like basically burn at his touch. Um, and Carnage is trying to get in there and like hold them both captive somehow. Or at least the manifestation of Cletus Cassidy within Carnage. And it suddenly made me think of something that I don't want to spoil for you. Uh, and it's the plot, it's the MacGuffin plot point in Star Trek Generations. Um it's the idea that there might be memories or uh, finger or fingerprints of the souls of pre-existing people within that's each awesome. symbiote. That's awesome. And and uh, like because that's an aspect of Star Trek Generations. And anybody, I know you haven't seen it yet. We were building up to that, but uh, so without without actually spoiling it. There, the, the, the plot point there is that there's an energy ribbon going through space and ships cannot survive it. But if it washes over you on a planet, it will absorb you into it. And you can leave it at any point in time, any point in time that the energy ribbon has existed. But like, it's crazy because it is a life force unto itself. Uh, and that, that's just the thing, like the imprint of who might have been in the symbiote before. So it would be really neat to see, like, all of these old characters like, like Matt Gagan come out of this thing, or whatever happened in Marvel Knights Spider-Man way, way back in, like, 2005 or something. Just craziness like that could abound if they decided to go that direction. But uh, I feel, unfortunately, like this issue ignores the aspect of the symbiote that we discovered when we uh, when when um, Flash Thompson had the damaged symbiote and went to the planet of the symbiotes in Guardians of the Galaxy. That was wonderful. Just a, just a two years ago. Yeah. That was, I thought, one of the best Venom stories Such, ever. It's building up to, like, Donnie Cates is a genius. I mean, just building up to this. Like, right now... Yeah. Right now, I'm shuffling my latest, uh, my prototype black deck from my Coria, waiting to mm -hmm. play poker with you and throw down because I'm going to fuck you up. Uh, oh, you always say that. <laughs> All right, so a couple things here. So, I'm so what, oh, sorry, what, the last thing I want to get at. Do it, do it. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the Avengers, and that was the... Exactly. That was a... <clears throat> Huge buildup and something that we've been worried about. If you've been reading since for like for a couple of months since the end of Absolute Carnage, is when is Brock going to tell everyone, "Yo, I fucked up," and uh, Noel's on its way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Carnage is dead, but we've got a way bigger problem. And uh, so he's admitting to the Avengers. Uh, I want to talk about the art. I could not believe you said it was. I, 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 I feel like an idiot that I didn't do my homework while I was reading because I was just so in, completely engulfed in it that it was so such such an homage to everything that w the original incantations of Carnage and Venom. 
uh, specifically mm -hmm. when Carnage first showed up. Cassidy looks just like he should when he shows up in, in, that's true. in Brock's really mind. And that's because Bagley mm -hmm. drew the original one. Um, now, if we go back to the cover, you're going to see that we've got some homages going on there, but not in a bad way where they're like just really just, you know, being just, lit I wish it was the mid-90s again. We've got a great illustration of Venom. The thing that sticks out to me is the teeth. Those are, totally. Those are McFarlane teeth. Mm -hmm. Those are McFarlane teeth. Only McFarlane did the teeth like that, where they where they they go in like that, and they're big, but they're not like buck teeth. But they're also not like post McFarlane, where he's like fangs and just dripping like alien drool. So that stuck out to me right away. Uh, the thing about the talking heads here is obviously you made fun of me because I'm such a like I have I have such a hatred for just a comic book full of talking heads, but this one I'm was, not making fun of you. I just we used to talk about it in 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 uh, the scope of the Walking Dead. It was just yeah. a device to get all of that content out, uh, issue after issue after issue. But this was meat and potatoes here. Now, as you yeah. as you flip the pages, you're gonna see Eddie Brock go through a myriad of different emotions looking away his eyes tearing up looking down in shame looking mm -hmm. looking frontwards as if he's looking someone in the eye his eyes are teared up like i have i've messed up but i need you to like he's telling a story because i need you to listen to me because if you don't listen to me we're all doomed and you see the different incantations of Barack. Long hair, fighting Null the first time uh, when Null was controlling the symbiote dragon from, you know, multitudes of galaxies away, uh, and, and meeting his son. I mean, like, you can't just... His eyes are glossy-eyed in, in some places, and then he's smiling, thinking about his, his son. And then we get into different art styles of, of the symbiotes. So we go into different art styles when we, when we, with the uh, Absolute Carnage, the art styles that were going on with um, uh, the uh, Planet of the Symbiotes. The, the Venom Tyrannosaurus is a direct ripoff of the Venom Tyrannosaurus from Old Man Logan, which was just perfect. Ah, uh, okay. Which is just perfect. And there's poses that, like... And the reason I know this is because the first, or sec the, the first graphic novel I ever got was the death of Superman, because my parents couldn't find the uh, number 75 black bag one for me. So they got me the graphic novel, which is just as good. Um, yep. The second one was the, like, $6, $7 Carnage uh, three-issue. Uh, it was white covered. It had Carnage on the cover. It had a little bit glossy just on Carnage. But the poses are old-school Carnage poses, and the, the, the talons that he's pulling out of his symbiote are very distinctive early 90s, especially the axe that comes out of his hand. Um, that's that's one thing. And again, I mentioned that Cletus looks exactly the way he should. Uh, we, we get the emotional moment with uh, Brock uh, being the good father that he always wanted to be and teaching his son how to use his powers. I mean, that that's a heavy hitter right there. I mean, you, you see the son just rip the, the carnage symbiote with his bare hands off of him. And mm -hmm. throws it off him, and like I've never seen that before. Spidey had to. Uh, I remember when uh, the the second Venom series, when 
uh, he eventually defeated Venom, and he's in the water, and he's like, you know what? He takes his, he, he rips off his Spider-Man costume and says, I know you want me, and he's tempting the, 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 the Venom symbiote to come to him, and like Brock's like, yeah, not something to happen, but then he feels the, the symbiote quiver, and because he knows that he's the rebound, <laughs> and uh, we we get vestiges of that. Uh, we, he gets his hand back, but also we get to see Venom, Eddie Brock, do the right thing. Listen, we got we got we got something to deal with, and Cap doesn't write him off right away. Doesn't, oh, of course, yeah. Doesn't write him off right away, and then we get this awesome little bit at the end. And and just real quick, cover artists are Ryan Stegman. G.P. Mayer and Frank Martin that did that awesome, like, seriously guys, if you're listening, kick ass, I noticed the teeth. It, 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 it mattered. <laughs> it, it mattered to me. It, it just looked perfect. It, with your own style for the rest of the body. And we get this great old school Venom story where he's uh, on his own private island try, just trying to eat his peaches. When he just wants to, the Venom wants to eat brains, but he, he's still trying to save innocence. Uh, it was a lot of fun. What a great issue. We get Eddie's Clubhouse at the end. Man. I'm really... I'm oh, really... yeah, like, totally. I really... Yeah, the, the, you're talking about the side story. You're talking about the letters page. Yeah, after the letters page. After the letters page, mm-hmm. uh, or before the letters page. I can't remember. I just looked through it. Uh, the the old school 90s thing, the quick little Venom story where he's on the island and those assholes show up and they, they're stashing some loot, some... Some weapons and just a lot of fun, man. I mean, actually, it really was. It was a, it was kind of a, a good story, and it, 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 even in that much, in that much time, it had a beginning, middle, and an end, and uh, it's just, you know, yeah. I, I gotta say that even though I never picked up all of those issues, I always appreciated the idea that if Venom is gonna be such a big deal, and everybody wants more Venom then you might as well try to find something that you can consistently do because it's it was really hard for Marvel in the 90s to make a bad guy that people could really sink their teeth into and then do something consistently with it. The, the only missed opportunity I felt in this issue was they should have made the Venom logo that's in green glow in the dark just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> They'll probably get to that. Just for fun, because we're like, because at the it says in this issue, Venom, Lethal Protector, reunion in the mighty Marvel manner. It, it mm-hmm. absolutely true. Absolutely. I always true. remember my fa- my favorite Venom, a uh, little additive like that. What you're talking about, like a little blip on a cover, was definitely on a Amazing Spider-Man issue. I don't know if it was a Maximum Carnage time period, but it had Venom in the corner. It was like, buy this issue or I'll eat your dog. I don't know why, but I cracked up endlessly to that. That is a reference to a uh, National Lampoon issue where buy this issue or we shoot this dog. And the the, the issue's cover is a dog. They just happened to get, like, they had a million takes on this photo. Where the dog is looking to the right, like the left, like all looking like, like scared, but they've got a revolver <laughs> to the dog's head. Uh-huh. But yeah, it, God, I just wish there that the Venom logo was just glow in the dark, just for fun, for not even a variant cover, just, just cause. Anyway, what's next, brother? 
What you got next? Mm. Uh, the only other thing I've got right now is definitely the new Amazing Spider-Man issue, which I had no idea what I was getting into. You didn't read. I you didn't have... read the new Star Trek. Oh, I have it physically. Damn it! No, I did not. I did not. Okay, right. Before we get in the new Spidey, good point. I really apologize, everybody. I right. totally meant to read that. Mm. Before we get in the new Spidey, tell us why that new issue is important in terms of the old '60s television show. What the new Spider-Man? Or the? Oh, okay, yeah. No, sorry. The new Star Trek. Um, without having gone through it, the cover features Isis, the black cat. That was uh, that was the companion to Gary Seven, and so in an episode where they were trying to avert nuclear war in contemporary times, uh, the Enterprise accidentally time traveled to the '60s and took on uh, the Colonel, who was an Air Force pilot, and he got to see the inside of the Enterprise and stuff like that. Uh, Gary Seven shows up and he's like he's a time traveler he's kind of like a Doctor Who type and his story I'm not going to say the ratings were so high but the story behind his character was so interesting that they see that the station was or that the uh, uh, Desilu was interested in maybe doing a spin-off series about him this is also the episode that has Terry Gar in it and, I love um, that woman Oh, yeah, my dad always thought she was cool, and it was because of her appearance in Star Trek. So anytime Terry Garr was in something, he always wanted to watch it. But I know she had a really hard time being on Star Trek. Something did not go right for her during that production. And uh, I, I wonder if an executive made some kind of an untoward advance to her. Um, but I also have heard her in interviews talking about how Roddenberry was like, no, make her skirt shorter. No, make her skirt shorter. So who knows? But... Um, the uh, um, the, uh, uh, the 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 lady that played Isis—that's the crazy thing. Isis was a black cat, and Gary Seven carried him around with him everywhere, and he just had this black cat. But the black cat would turn into a woman, and nobody knew who that actress was until last year. Now let me pull. It might be a little bit complicated for me to find this. Uh, My uh, my friend Larry Nemechek, who I haven't got to see in a really, really long time, uh, who lives out, I believe he lives in Burbank, um, he got to interview her. The actress' name is April, Te- April Tar- Tartro. A- April Tatro, sorry. And uh, the episode was called Assignment Earth. Anyway, uh, yeah, it took all of this time for someone to um, figure this out. I don't know why. I don't know why. Anyway, there you have it. Is it, is, uh, is it like one of those mysteries, like what happened to that big, uh, tall African dude that played the original Xenomorph in Alien? Oh, really? What do you got? What do you mean? Oh, well, like, they, like apparently that guy just disappeared off the face of the earth after doing Alien. Like, they saw him in a coffee shop, something like that, and just said, that guy. <laughs> like, that guy's huh. playing the Xenomorph, and then no one knows what happened to him after he did the movie. No kidding. Huh. Uh, yeah, it's... Ooh, sorry. My ears popped and ringing. Um, man, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just... It was one of these things where... Um, I, 
you know, you get a background performer sometimes. Or you get, you get a performer who comes in and they're uncredited in their role. Uh, that happens a lot. And when you've got... When you had Star Trek and it was like, okay, well, Bill Shatner was starring and Leonard Nimoy and DeForest Kelly, but not necessarily any of the other actors were even thrown... Their names were even thrown in the opening credits. Um, which is why I thought it was kind of dynamic that when you watch The Next Generation... Uh, every performer on the show that was a series regular is in the opening credits of every episode, whether or not they appear in the episode. Even the same way with Deep Space Nine, like Sarek Lofton, who played Jake Sisko, Captain Sisko's son, is frequently not in an episode, but since he was a series regular, he was always presented. So, um, when you don't have that much time in the opening credits, and then you've got the rest of the credits depicted for the cat for the crew and the rest of the cast. Sometimes a performer like this just does not get prep re- represented. Understood. And so for for yeah, that's what I'm getting at. I mean, for anybody else that doesn't know that that's kind of a thing. Uh, so it just took decades for someone to do it. So uh, yeah, Larry Larry got to uh, interviewer, and this is on. You can check this out on TrekMovie.com. And uh, you can also uh, check him out on his we, on his uh, Trek podcast. Uh, he's on Facebook. So look up Larry Nemechek, and I'm not going to spell that for you. Good luck. Right. <laughs> Before we get into yeah. anything any more hardcore, Swamp Thing. Uh, God, I really love oh, the comments. Cool. Uh, Swamp Thing, the latest issue of Swamp Thing. Uh, Digital First, New Roots, Flower King. Uh, this one is an existential... If you're into existentialism and any sort of environmentalism, I mean, the the Swamp Thing is struggling with the ideas of the same thing in the Matrix when the the robots are like, okay, or I robot, like, okay, the the humans are the virus. Uh, he comes to a drastic realization uh, called New Roots Number Five. And also, uh, runner-ups, uh, Flash, number 754, uh, battling the, uh, kick-ass new bad guy, uh, Paradox. Uh, he has to team up with the, uh, reverse Flash, who is a crazy son of a bitch. And they also do the same thing in the, uh, the digital first, uh, where he has more of a, like, he's teaming up with, uh, uh, reverse Flash, in the latest issue of The Flash, but the digital one is more of a... where they have more of a conversation. that It's more of a companion to that. And uh, my last... Uh, let's... Uh, oh, Farmhand. Uh, before we get into Spider-Man, mm-hmm. to finish this off. Uh, number 15, Rob Gilroy. Uh, number 15, like I said. Uh, created, written, and drawn by Rob Gilroy. Guided Chew. Uh, artist on Chew. Colors by Rico Renzi. Mm-hmm. Lettering and logo by Cody Chamberlain. We find all I'm gonna say because we always do spoilers. I'm not gonna give you a spoiler, <laughs> but I'm gonna tell you. We finally find out what happens to his mom. Is what happens to Ezekiel? This is a heavy issue, and where everything comes like this is a climactic issue where you find out all of the bad guys' evil like plans are laid out. All the secrets are revealed. And it's time to kick some ass, and we don't know where we're going from here. And Rob Gilroy is kicking some ass on this. So get the get the graphic novels that are coming out. 
Um, this was the the end of the the, the latest uh, compendium, or like what, what he's calling, like he splits it up. So have some fun. Also, make sure you pick up uh, something skilling the children. They're reprinting it, the graphic novel. And let's do Spider Man, man. Yeah, this is Amazing Spider-Man issue number 43. It's a legacy issue 844. Uh, this is the part part three of a story called True Companions that's been going on for a, a few issues. Again, it's, it was like, okay, hey, there's new books. I have had a hard time... As Spider-Man has always been one of my favorite characters, I have had a really hard time, and I know we've commented on this in the past... Keeping up with Spider-Man because I'm frankly frustrated I've never with had, all I've of never the retcon. I know. I know you don't have a Spidey. problem with it. Yeah, but, but I mean, was, that's the thing. At its fun. core, Spidey is always about a good-natured person who was worthy of picking up Thor's hammer and who does everything he can risking life and limb to save anybody and everybody that he can, even the bad guys all the time. And that's what this story pertains to. Um, without knowing anything about the preceding stuff, you've got this little this little critter running around, and they've been looking for some kind of broken tablet, and that's kind of this quest that Spidey and Boomerang have been on. When did Boomerang become a good guy? About 12 issues ago. <laughs> it's been a while. Okay, okay. It's been a while. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it feels like a long time because like Spidey comes out like twice a month. Um, but yeah. Boomerang, is, he doesn't know that Pete is his uh, is Spider-Man. And it's a nice set of tech. Oh. When it comes. He, doesn't, he doesn't know what's going on. So Parker has a lot of issues to deal with. But it's a lot more digestible because it's not like he's dealing with uh, him being roommates with Doc Ock or the Lizard. <laughs> uh, he, he's he's watching a buddy of his that is well, a former enemy of his who is now his roommate become a good friend and show his true colors of who he is as a hero. And he, as the story progresses, you think that Boomerang is still going to be this shithead and you know do some bullshit doesn't happen. He, he really, really kicks it off. And what's the name of the alien? Gog. G-O-G. Now, th this is fascinating. Throw it down. So, Gog... I, I, will, I will, but, like, Gog in this story is an oversized monster. You would immediately assume uh, a Mole Man monster or something like that, because he's underground and he bursts through and... Then he's on the surface, and Kingpin, or Wilson Fisk, the mayor, is... Tr it's kind of funny, your good friend Mayor Fisk is here to help. I was like, he's friends with... He's trying to be friendly towards Spider-Man? I don't understand what's going on with that. Can you tell me anything about that? Okay, so... What it comes down to... Okay, so you're talking about Gog being friends with, with Spider-Man? No, the Kingpin. Okay, so the Kingpin... Uh, has been doing everything he can to run a PR campaign that him and and Spidey are like total buds, and uh, <laughs> and it it keeps getting ruined. This story really kicked off a couple issues ago. I'm gonna say like maybe five six issues ago, where uh, he was honoring Park uh, well, Spidey uh, with for being his friend with an award, and J uh, Jay Jonah was gonna show up, and this is really where it kicked off in the sewers and. Uh, those D-lister guys, okay. I, I can't remember what, the, what their name was, they're from the 60s, showed up. 
Uh, we talked. We we reviewed that a while ago. Um, All right. So, Kingpin wants. Okay. So Kingpin's a he's his own spin doctor, but he's got a spin doctor as well that helps him yeah. like cover up murders and stuff. So. We we see like hey Spider Man like hey we're here to help you like thanks buddy let us finish it off <laughs> and no you know like that this thing's a this thing's basically a child that's what's ridiculous about it because don't I'll get started about issues I take with this but like the funny thing about this whole business with this creature causing mayhem that Peter's trying to rescue and Boomerang is ambivalent about doing anything with except getting away from it this creature is smashing stuff by accident and then they they basically trick it into jumping into a smaller area because it wants to play so it chases a boomerang into the back of a truck thus shrinking of his own accord because he has pim particles somehow associated to it from a previous issue well that's also an aspect of Gog as a character, is that he can change his size, he can become smaller or larger as needed. Okay, so this is super wacky. Um, well, before, before you get into it, the way it's told, before you get into the old school story, uh, the mm-hmm. way it's told, imagine the episode of Futurama where uh, Fry's dog dies and, you know, it's, it's a total tearjerker. Imagine if, if Fry... Oh, man, yeah. Imagine if Fry died and the dog still lived and is... Uh, you know, a very long-living alien on an alien planet, Earth, and he's really missing his master. And that's basically, like, my interpretation of Gog until this. But you... That's nice. I dig that. Thank you. And, uh, but you accidentally read about Gog when we were doing our Craven research for Craven's Last Hunt. That's right. I was like, I should... Like, I'm pretty familiar with Kraven, the hunter, as a Spider-Man villain. I like his first appearance. I like his next appearance. I like the whole idea that he eventually gets, like, ex- uh, uh, expatriated? No. uh, Exiled from the U.S. and probably sent back to the Soviets or just he's a man without a country or something like that. But he comes back and he's like, so there's this crazy storyline... All the way back in 1963, in Amazing Spider-Man number 104, and <clears throat> this is a pretty epic-looking looking cover. So if you see, if you haven't seen this thing, take a look for it. Uh, the the plot line is that some kook has been in the Savage Land and encountered a monster down there. And he brings this information back to New York City, and J. Jonah Jameson just latches onto it. And he's like, oh, Peter Parker, you and I are going to go down there with this doofball, and we're going to find this monster, and it's going to make a big deal. And, like, at the same time, somehow or another, Gwen Stacy gets to go down there, because this is, of course, you know, 15 issues before she gets killed. Um... They go all the way to the Savage Land, and Spider-Man gets to team up with Kazar and Zebu, his saber-toothed tiger, uh, and he's battling Gog. And it turns out that Kraven the Hunter is more or less taskmastering Gog, and it's a creature that he can't necessarily kill, so he took control of it. So Gog is in his thrall. And the whole time, you're realizing that Gog can't speak English, but he definitely speaks some kind of alien language. 
And uh, really and truly, like all of these, I mean, the, the zany layouts and the over, like really good expressions. This is some killer stuff. What, what is this? Is this Gil Kane? Let me go back here and look at this. Uh, Gil Kane writer. No, I'm sorry, Roy Thomas writer and Gil Kane. Yeah, that's what it what it is. So, um, like what what they end up getting into is that uh, the 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 story is explained that there was a civil war on this creature's planet, and his spaceship crash landed in the Savage Land, and he's been roaming around looking for someone to be with. Craven the Hunter becomes that person, but he basically utilizes him as a monster. And then I don't really understand what's supposed to happen with this guy after they final after with Gog after they finally deal with it. And you know, it's just one of these all's well that end well kind of stories where uh J. Jonah Jameson doesn't, he's, you know, <laughs> he might be a crotchety a-hole, but he's like crying at the end of it because Gwen is rescued and Peter is safe and all of this stuff. And it's just, he's always such a, such a, such a guy that they pick on. Gog basically gets dra- like stuck down in some quicksand. I don't know if he shrunk down and survived or whatever, but it's like for, for the writers in the new book to just pull this character out of nowhere after all this time and be like, let's do something with that is just fun. Incredible and timely. I can't believe I just read ASM <laughs> 104 like two weeks ago. And uh, right before we did our Craven's last hunt issue uh, of minefields, our long box on that. But I will say, if you go back and read that issue, it's craziness, but the, the artistry is just so damn good. It was like, so much fun. Gwen Stacy is just luscious to look at. And this is the only time we get her running around in a bikini bathing <laughs> suit for whatever reason. Kazar is super cool. The expressions on everyone's faces, especially J. Jonah Jameson, is phenomenal. And this is one issue, by the way, before the famous Spider Slayer storylines. So, Ooh, the, honestly, the if, you can, find, if you can find it in a collected work, in a trade paperback... If you can find it at a back issue, it's probably going to run you more than ten bucks. Uh, f- maybe even. I feel like this 20. is one of those issues that someone's granddad gave to them, like that they've got somewhere that hoped it was going to be worth something, and now it's it's got some gravitas sexual to it. I just it, yeah, like that something like that. I mean, it just it's it's nuts, but like. So yeah, I mean, at the end in, in the in the uh, oh, let me get out of this and go over there. Oh crap! Uh, so in the in the uh, in the new issue of Spy of ASM, you know, they eventually trick Gog into shrinking down, and now he's Peter Parker's pet. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, this is this is a sentient. It's a childlike creature that is a sentient being, and I'm like. It's kind of like it's it's like is this going to end up being Nibbler from Futurama? Like no or what? No, I'm thinking it's going to be it's going on in Excalibur right now. Uh, Jubilee's kid uh, showed you uh, when they enter is he half vampire when they when they enter the uh, the mythical myth, mythical uh, world that the English Empire is built on with Merlin and angels and all the. Mm-hmm. Uh, Soju is able to when he enters this world as a baby he becomes a giant flying dragon 
and he's able to understand Jubilee. He he has to, she has to make sure that he's eating the right stuff, not the wrong people. Um, but you, I think you're right. It, it could be a nibbler. <laughs> it could be a nibbler. That that is such a great. Uh, I love it. Thank you. <laughs> I just I don't want to see this thing be a stupid animal. I I'm like it's a freaking alien that came to Earth in a ship and has 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 uh, wrist bracers. That will teleport him anywhere he wants to go. So, like, he can't be that dumb. Maybe he can be childlike, but I don't want that to last for very long. I want to see progression with this. And it would be amazing for Spider-Man to have some wacky thing like that in his life for a really long time and then either solve the thing and go, like, no, it's time for you to go. Like, you got to go, and that's where you belong, or... Or something like that. But it would be interesting to... Like, this isn't some dumb, like, spider buggy or uh, just some other gimmick. Because I just want to see this character... This is a character. It's not an animal, you know? Right. So, anyway. Now, now, what it makes me think of, what I hope they do, is what they did uh, just for a little while. Remember Spider-Man, the the, uh, TV show in the early 80s, Spider-Man and his amazing friends? Oh, yes. I loved that show. It was wonderful. It was him, Iceman, was it uh, Firestar? Firestar, yeah. Firestar. That was like, and they pull a a lever and their apartment turns into this awesome (laughs) HQ. Let's have some fun like that. Uh, Or or nibbler-wise. Well... Just in this, because we're only, uh, what, what, what issue is it? We're only so, what, 47 issues? Is that what it was? Like, 43 issues? I mean, <laughs> has it been 43 issues since Battleworld? Uh, no, it's, uh, we're talking after, Super- no, not Superior Spider-Man, not after, not Battle Battleworld? No, it's, Wow. Uh, like honestly, I'm confused. It's gone to this many issues without, without them turning it into a number one again. Um, uh, yeah, it's kind of surprising. But like, I mean, I mean, Dan Slott was writing it for so long. Yeah, and uh, so I guess the point I'm trying to get by asking that question is like, is he still doing stuff with Alchemax? Or Parker Industries, as it were. Okay, so what's I what's mean, going on with the Alchemax is what they're hinting on in the uh, what they're about to do, or what got delayed with the twenty ninety nine stuff, uh, because mm-hmm. we're gonna get some new Spidey twenty ninety nine stuff, and I I salivated that, and everything Spidey twenty ninety nine is amazing. Um, that Alchemax is more of a, like that part of the story that uh, Miguel's gonna take care of, um, but. God damn! This was this was a fun issue, man. I had fun reading it. Every every panel was gorgeous. I mean, like it wasn't even like. Did you give the credits already? I did not. No, I did not. Let's see. It is uh, Nick Spencer, writer. Ryan Otley, penciler. Good, really, just like comic book fun quality styling. Like really, the penciling. I mean, it's it's stylistically exactly what it needs to be it's not exactly like mighty marvel adventures kid stuff and it's certainly not like a like daredevil Mm -hmm. it's it's just this is what you should get at a spidey sometimes a little bit squishy a little bit uh realistic and then like a little little pops of like ooh, wow that was cool i like what he did there type of stuff um cliff rathburn and ryan otley as inkers uh, Nathan Fairbairn and D. Kun- Kunif as colorists, uh, followed by VCs Joe Caramagna as the letterer. 
Fun stuff. And there you have it. There you have it. It was a fun story. I just keep reading Spider-Man. I don't have a... I mean... Yeah, I, I got you. There's I no place it. where you're going to drop in now and experience like, oh, this is what it was, you know, way, way back or whatever. <laughs> I got you. I finally got but you. I my Spidey is... My Spidey is still, my favorite Spidey is still reading Silver Age Spidey and reading uh, 90s Spidey. I just love 90s Spidey. 80s Spider-Man is, uh, it's not hit or miss, it's just like... It's there. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where it's like you go to the comic book store and you're going to see the same freaking Spider-Man back issues that have been there forever and ever and ever. And it's because they're not as awesome as... Like the first, I don't know, 150 issues. And even then, some of those aren't like a million percent great, but like, you know, the stuff that's gettable is gettable because, you know, it's like, oh, he's, what the heck, who the heck is he fighting? You know, the Will, will of the Wisp or something. You know, something just kind of spotty. My, uh, my last one is Basketball of Heads, number seven, mm. finalizing the story. I really hope they continue it uh, because this is uh, number seven again, uh, Joe Hill Comics, written by Joe Hill, again, uh, son of Stephen King, uh, did Lock and Key, a lot of other kick-ass comics, illustrated by Leo Max, uh, colored by Dave Stewart, lettered by uh, Daron uh, Bennett, and edited by Mark Doyle and Amadeo Totoro. Okay, so... If this is a horror comic, but it's not the type of horror comic where you're going to think that, like... Jason's going to get back up. The ending was extremely satisfying. I'm not going to ruin it for you guys. Uh, mm-hmm. If you haven't been following, just pick up the trade paperback when it comes out. I'm sure, because every time I go to Iron Lion or any of the comic stores here at Muse, they've got them all on the cover, on the on the shelves. They weren't the best-selling comics, but they're fun, kick-ass, good horror comic books. Uh, we've got Viking lore, don't trust anyone, all the good stuff in there, hard choices. But uh, the last thing I want to wind up on as we wind up this issue is Ikoria is the best magic set that's come out in forever, in my opinion. And I got, and I got to go back and get a couple more. Uh, the, you know, like the, the cheapy, like three, three buck uh, holds a 60 card deck box. Yeah, yeah. I got the uh, one that looks like Star Lord's Walkman. <laughs> That's red. It, okay. It says Tape Man, and each side has like the the each side is specialized. One has the volume play, uh, the bottom. Uh, it's 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 very specialized. I, I gotta get a couple more of these just because they're just gorgeous. Arcoria is great. Have some fun. This has been a great issue of Minefields, man. I've been had so much fun talking to you tonight. Yeah, dude, this is awesome. Uh, I feel bad that I did not get to, I did not read that Star Trek issue that I picked up. Um, you got the meat uh, and potatoes out of it, though. You got the you got what you I mean, to I, say. I, what, what, whatever the story happens to be, the mere aspect of the, the like the the, uh, uh, the curiosity there is 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 fascinating. And that's well, you know what is even more. I like I have not seen every single episode of the original series. I probably really? have as a kid and haven't revisited it all. Like, I, st- I was churning through, like, one, one episode after the other for, uh, I don't know, a while. I got through all the first season a while back and stuff like that. This was a couple of years ago. But you know what it's been like. Uh, 
You know, you know who has seen all the Star Treks from back in the day in the sixties was my mom. Oh, that's legit. Yeah, She's it was. Got those first, it was. That it first was run. It was. Uh, it was one of the few channels they got, and uh, she'd she'd watch it after school or uh, either yeah after school, and then she'd tell me about her uh, my 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 best friend since I was a my kid like uh, my first best friend uh, my my grandfather uh, my grandpa Pingo Domingo Gomez he. Uh, he was a huge wrestling fan. She's like, she's like, it always like it blows me away how much you love wrestling because your your grandfather just ate it up. <laughs> yeah, was like she yeah. like she threw out like eight names of dudes that I've never heard of that he hated, <laughs> and it was it was just it was just fun stuff, man. But man, uh, you got anything else to wind us down? Oh, let's see. I don't know, man. I mean, I'm. What is it? It's almost midnight here. I keep thinking I'm going to, like, sit down and watch more episodes of uh, The Man in the High Castle. I'm hip-deep in the third season, and I am absolutely in love with that show now. Um, but, uh, dude, I for, for lighter fare, Steve Carroll's new show with John Malkovich, Space Force on Netflix. It is awesome. Every single episode. I'm six episodes in. They're a half hour long. They are so Funny. Robin's, they are so good. Robin's hooked on it. She was. Uh, I, I walked into a conversation she was having with my dad the other day on speakerphone. She's hooked on it. She was telling him to watch it. So if she mm. likes it, and you like it, it's gonna be goddamn good. Oh, dude! I'm. I the first episode, like the the one I watched today, where it was the uh, Space Force versus the Air Force and like a uh, BS capture the flag. Actually, I didn't watch it today. I watched it. I got home from a peaceful protest last night, and I was very relieved that it was so chill and uh i was like man i gotta have a snack and like gotta take another shower and whatever and i'm sitting there like trying to stop sweating first so i watched an hour of space force and man it's just so i was laughing myself sick it was so funny uh john malkovich his delivery is just to die for. Is, is it like his? Uh, is it like when he read the night before Christmas on Saturday Night Live, where he just he just creeped the kids out like crazy? <laughs> oh, he's not creepy at all. He's just so completely self confident because he's like, I absolutely know how smart I am, and I'm not lording it over anybody. But uh, he's surrounded by idiots, basically. And this, the thing that's frustrating about Steve Carroll's character is that while he's not replaying Michael Scott, who is an unbelievable dolt. I hate that who show. Has, oh, dude, I don't know. I do love The Office. But uh, I love it more for the other characters than Michael. Even though Michael, there are some really great Michael episodes. Um, Jim's but, wife was uh, pretty yeah. hot. Jim's wife was that hot if you know her. Oh, Jenna Fisher? Her. She's beautiful. Oh, Jesus Christ. She's beautiful. She's I, I ran into uh, Angela Kinsey at the premiere for Rambo in, uh, what year was that? 2007? 2008? The one where he, like, she, kicked, where he punched that dude's head off, off his body in the, uh, in the, in the premiere? <laughs> in the premiere? No, I don't know. Uh, uh... I, I mean, it was I mean the in the trailer. I mean, in the trailer. The the last Rambo, he was like a cowboy. Right. Yeah, he was back home in Arizona, where where his with on his family's property. Uh, no, this is the one where he's in um, ugh, Thailand, Cambodia. I'm not entirely sure. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, dude. I, I saw, Anyway, Angela Kinsey was beautiful in person. She was very pregnant. She was very short, very blonde, very gorgeous. Oh, my gosh. But, uh, yeah, no, The Office, blah, blah, blah. Space Force, Steve Carroll, brilliant. Brilliant. So much fun. Uh, anyway, yeah, there you go. That's what I got right now, man. The last thing I want to bring up here is, give me a second, Sebastian Stan. Oh, I love Sebastian Stan. <laughs> oh, my God. I okay. still want him to play a young Luke Skywalker. Or a grown-up Luke Skywalker. Winter Soldier. Give me a second. I'm, 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 I'm going to a rabbit hole to find it. Yeah. Since we were talking about boobies a lot earlier. <laughs> I don't need to see Sebastian Stan's boobies. That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> no, it's worth it. Hold on. Let me find the movie. Oh, whatever. Oh, my gosh. I'm almost... Is it uh, Hot Tub Time Machine? No. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot he was that asshole in Hot Tub Time Machine. He All was right. the uh, he was the bad guy. Yeah, it was kind of wacky. I, I I I saw Hot Tub Time Machine and I did not realize that that uh, Billy Zabka and Diora Baird were the is it Diora Baird? Man, see, we keep bringing up all this stuff that we have to like double check ourselves. Yeah. Okay, so that's super frustrating. All right, so he's in the movie called he's in the movie called The Bronze. Uh, mm -hmm. If you're a Big Bang Theory person, who I'm not, uh, the, no, the chick not. Marissa Roch, uh, she uh, wrote this movie about this foul-mouthed uh, ex-Olympian, and they have the funniest sex scene I've ever seen since Team America. Remember in Team America <laughs> when the puppets were doing it? Uh, they're, yeah, they're two yeah. gymnasts that are like, goddamn, like... My friend sent me this video, and I didn't know this movie existed. I watched it. It was hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. The funniest, like, two gymnasts. I mean, she's she does a cartwheel up onto the bed, and she's leaning against the back of the wall with her legs up in the air, and he, he flips onto the bed. And... <laughs> Uh, it, it, it was, it, it was, it, and like he, he, when he rips his pants off, he's got this, uh, he's got this fucking tattoo from and like his belly button down uh, that goes down to his junk as a gold medal. <laughs> and she's like, give me, give me that gold baby. Dude, it was the funniest sex scene ever. But my point is you get to see some boobies. <laughs> All right. Nah. All right. Best sex scene ever. Funny wise. Other than, Funny wise. Other than Team America. God, this has been so mm. much fun. This is a good, this is a lot of fun for us. I hope it was a lot of fun for everybody else. Uh, I know we, I know we conclude this uh, a lot uh, saying, saying this, but uh, the real world is a lot more like this right now. This is dangerous. This is very so, dangerous. So uh, everybody be careful out there. Be safe. Um... It is dangerous out there, but uh, it's nothing to be afraid of. It's something to be taken seriously. Agreed. Okay. Real change is coming, and this transmission is over.